Welcome to Ecclesia Principles, a biblical strategy for believers to engage in God's design for government with Ray Eppard. Hello, glad you could join us. And if you didn't hear yesterday, I strongly encourage you to go listen to it. I said some things that most people haven't said. <laughs> but anyway, we're looking at Ecclesia principle that we call building a bridge of trust. And with this, it's not a feel-good kumbaya moment that we're talking about. This week, we're actually looking at what happens when a bridge of trust is broken. You know, in a personal relationship between a husband and wife, if one of them has been unfaithful, that bridge of trust has been broken, and it creates all kinds of problems in that relationship. And it's no different on a national scale. When the bridge of trust is broken, there's real problems. And the only way to fix them is to rebuild the bridge of trust. And it will take time, and it will be hard work. Again, it's not a kumbaya moment. It's hard work. It's, it's real effort. It's a real deal because the results of a broken bridge of trust are real-life problems, and we've been looking at those. Our, our texts have been Proverbs 18, 19, a brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city, and also Matthew 24, 12, and because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. And again, think of the lawlessness more in the sense of uh, not living by the, the laws of human interaction. When that's not happening, trust drops, love drops, and it does create all kinds of problems. Now with this, we've, we've looked at a number of things, and, and I want to cover... Um, it would take too long to cover these in detail, so I'm just going to hit a bunch of them really quick today in talking about, again, the problems that happen when the bridge of trust is broken because we need to see that this is a real problem. And, and if you really want to know, you know, I've heard people say, you know, the problems are so big. How in the world can we ever fix it? You begin by developing a bridge of trust with your neighbor regardless of who your neighbor is. You begin to build a bridge of trust with people that you work with, with people who see things differently than you do. It starts by listening, by listening. And there's other things, and, and we'll get into doing the hard work next week. That's what we're going to be talking about, the hard work of building a bridge of trust. But you see, with this, when the bridge of trust is broken, the, the feelings of unforgiveness, revenge, and the need for justice are all felt. That begins, they're, they're being fed, the sense of unforgiveness. That, uh, that bridge of trust that's been broken feeds unforgiveness and causes it to grow. That bridge of trust bring, being broken feeds the feeling of needing to get revenge and to right the wrong. The cry for justice gets fed because the bridge of trust has been broken. We're seeing all these things in our nation. You can see them on the news regularly. You see, 
every nation, organization, and system is in varying degrees of danger and disintegration when trust is damaged or broken in any of the areas that we've talked about this week. They are in disintegration. Our nation, if you would, to a degree is in disintegration because the bridge of trust has been broken. You see, with this, and, and we're going to talk about a number of things that you can observe on, on a national scale. First, economic confidence in the system and those running it and overseeing it are challenged. You know, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I, I have trouble thinking that how in the world, you know, uh, I eat out probably more than I should. But how is it that five years ago you had restaurants that were fully staffed, looking for better help, had more hours, uh, you never saw a sign up, short staff today, please be patient. And now five years later, under what is supposed to be <laughs> a better economic situation, restaurants and other businesses reducing their hours, closing up shop, if you would, because there's not enough help. Well, where did all the people go? I mean, I know the numbers for COVID and dying were high. They weren't that high to shut down so much of the economy as it has been, as it has been shut down. It's just, not, it's just not that reality. There are definite dynamics with our economics. You know, I was driving yesterday and actually I saw a truck that uh, I tried to tell who was advertising on the side of the truck, but it was saying uh, that they were endeavoring to create sustainable supply chains. And I'm like, five years ago, we didn't have any problem with sustainable supply chains. Why, why did COVID, a health issue, destroy the economy? Why did it destroy the supply chains? Why, why did all of this happen? And, you, you know, and, and I'll throw this one out. A lot of people uh, haven't talked about it. But why was it okay for a hospital to fire nurses who wouldn't get a vaccine and to hire a traveling nurse to take their place, but the traveling nurse didn't have to have a vaccine. Happened again and again and again. Why could the employee not stay, but they could be replaced by somebody else who didn't have the vaccine? There's just a lot of stuff that don't make any sense unless you follow the money. And as Forrest Gump would say, and that's all I got to say about that. Uh, but anyway, economic confidence in the system, those running it, it's, it's challenged. Why in the world do we go from a booming economy to an economy that, quote, is booming on paper, but it's not booming in real life? You don't go out and see that happening. 
car dealerships don't have cars on their lot. You can't have a booming economy for, as a car dealership if you don't have any cars. But yet, our numbers are great. How are the numbers great when you look around and it's the same all over? It's the same all over. Secondly, political confidence in justice, equality, and basic concepts and structures are challenged. I'll be honest with you, one of the uh, basic structures of our country right now that's being challenged is, is the FBI. The FBI and the fact that it is a non-political law and order department. Again and again, there's just so many things that you look at and go, um, evidently not. Evidently, that's not the case. You know, and you see, uh, you see systems being weaponized. You know, the IRS was weaponized against conservatives during the uh, Obama administration. The, the rate of conservative organizations that were approved and audited and so forth, you know, it went up for those groups, not other groups. And even today, we're starting to see things, a weaponization of different departments. I read an article the other day about a, a couple, a, a young Catholic couple that could not have children. And they went through the state in order to adopt a child. And at the end of it, they passed everything except one thing. As a Catholic, their religion did not view gender identity properly. And because of that, they were denied being able to adopt a child by that state. Wow. Talking about weaponization. Confidence in the justice, the equality, and our basic concepts as Americans. Those things are, are being challenged with the structures that, that are in place today. They, you know, the educational system. You know, I saw somebody the other day said something about we need to keep politics out of education. And I'm thinking, well, 50 years ago, you could have done that. But today, biology class is political. Are there more than two genders? <laughs> the left has brought politics into education. It's there. They're rewriting history. They're changing biology. They're, they're changing the bathrooms. Locally, uh, two new schools are being built. And they have unisex bathrooms where the boys and girls are supposed to stand in line together to use the bathroom. And it's in middle school. Boy, tell me that's a good idea. I don't think so. No, politics is already in the school. And if you don't think it is, I don't know where you've been. The left has brought politics into education. And they are also primarily ones leaving the idea 
that politics shouldn't be in the schools because you need to leave education up to them because they pretty much control education. And if you go to fight back, then you, oh, you're a radical trying to change these things. No. You know, it, it's like so many of the school boards in, in recent times, people trying to read some of the books that were in elementary and middle school libraries. And then the person reading it being told that they would not allow be allowed to read it because it violated FCC rules. Wow. So what's that book doing in an elementary library, in a middle school library, if it doesn't pass FCC guidelines for being aired? No. We can have the political agenda in secret in the library and in the halls of the school, but you can't talk about the fact that it's political and you can't have a differing view. That's a problem. Class warfare deepens. We see that happening today. So many, so many calls that really, it boils down to a class warfare. Ethnic group gaps. Ethnic or racial, I don't like using the term racial, but ethnic groups, the divides between them, the gaps between them deepen. The personal or social dialogue becomes harsh, accusatory, and destructive. All of these are signs that the bridge of trust has been broken or is being broken. I hope through this week you have seen that what we're talking about it's not a kumbaya moment. The bridge of trust is not just some good feeling that we can all go home and, oh, wasn't that sweet? It wasn't that wonderful. No. The bridge of trust being broken has some extremely harsh and real-life consequences. And the only way we can build it back is to begin to build that bridge of trust. And next week, we'll begin to talk about how to begin that hard work. See you next week.